0: Well, welcome everybody to the latest episode of the Edgar Rice Burroughs podcast, where we celebrate the writings of the greatest adventure author of the um, 20th century, Edgar Rice Burroughs. My name is Tim DeForest. I am the author of several books on subjects such as the pulp magazines that uh, that that uh, Burroughs published in. And I have a blog called Comics Old Time Radio and other cool stuff. And with me are my two co-hosts. Uh,
1: Jess, go ahead. Well, my name is Jess Terrell, and you all might know me from the Facebook discussion group, "The Love of All Things Edgar Rice Burroughs," where we talk uh, Burroughs, Tarzan, uh, John Carter, and Burroughs' uh, worlds, and characters, and and and, and uh, story situations. We talk that twenty four seven. We got a crowd now of just over seventeen thousand. Kid you not, seventeen thousand members at "For Love of All Things Edgar Rice Burroughs." Mm-hmm.
2: And I'm Scott Stewart, I'm editor of Herb Appa, which is ERB for Edgar Rice Burroughs Appa. Uh, my first issue, uh, I've been privileged to work on. And and for those listening, wondering what's going on with the move, a couple of weeks got took over there. So uh, it is going to be going out this week. I wanted to let you know that. And uh, also with uh, Randomized Studio, we have some projects that I'll talk about on another day coming out this summer and fall.
0: Cool. Okay, and today, as soon as we get our special features out of the way, we are going to be talking about uh, the 1913 novel Cave Girl, at least the first of the two novellas that make up the novel was published in 1913. I'll go over the publishing history in a moment, Uh, but before we get to that really fun novel. Um, Yes, I hear the Apes of Kershak reminding us that we need to cover our trivia question. Now, we asked a trivia question in the last episode, which was about um, uh, Chris Carey's latest novel uh, in the ERB expanded universe, The Fires of Helos, Um, and uh, uh, we didn't get an answer for it. I think the reason was we had some technical difficulties that made us divide Mm -hmm. the podcast in two at the last moment into two episodes, and uh, be- I forgot to repeat the trivia question on the second episode. Um, and I think it just got lost in the shuffle, because we've uh, we've gotten a number of answers on our previous tri- trivia questions, and I hope that those of you who have answered before, or those of you who haven't tried, will try to answer this question. Um, now, uh, we're going to ask the question in a moment. The deal is, is that you send the answer into our Gmail account, Edgar's mailbag at gmail.com. And this will be in the show notes uh, for you to, to, as a reminder of what the email is. If you post the answer on social media or anywhere else, it won't count. You got to send it to the Gmail account to be entered for the prize. And um, uh, if we get more than one answer, which we have in the past for the other trivia questions, we, I will pick a random winner from amongst the correct answers. Um, and we are recording this on May 28th. And I hope to get it uh, up aired, with uh, um, up on the air before June 1st. So we will use, I think, June 15th, uh, 2023. If you're listening to this 100 years ago, you're far too late to enter. 100 years from now, um, you're far too late to enter. Um, so by uh, if you Gmail us, email us the correct answer to the Gmail account, mailbag at gmail.com you will qualify to win a copy of Chris Carey's novel, The Fires of Helis, a hard-covered copy. Um, and we, we will send that out to you promptly after you're chosen as a winner. So here is the question. What is the name of the mammoth that Va- Von Horst pref- uh, befriended? Uh, you know, the name of the mammoth that the character Von Horst made friends with. Um, those of you who are just really good ERB fans, you're probably instantly thinking of the novel he appeared in. Uh, but you just got to remember the name of the mammoth or look it up in the proper novel, email it to us and you'll be uh, in the running to get a copy of that excellent novel. Um, and that it is. that's it for the special features uh, this time. Um, so, you know, send in an answer for the trivia question. We love that. We love interacting with you guys. We appreciate the listeners we have. We've gotten great comments on our YouTube channel, on Facebook and so on. And we would enjoy hearing from more of you on the Gmail account, too. Um, So we move on to Cave Girl, which was published. It was ERB's seventh novel. And the first part of it, which was titled Cave Girl, was published in three parts in All Story magazine in 1913. Um, Then Burroughs wrote the second part, which was originally titled Caveman the next year, although it wasn't published until 1917. It was published in four parts in um, All Star all, all Story Weekly, beginning with their March thirty first, nineteen seventeen issue. It was released as a book uh, in March nineteen twenty five, and like most of ERB stuff, it's been repeatedly republished over the years. Uh, there is um, uh, my favorite reprint is probably the old Ace paperback, which had the Frazetta cover, I believe, um, and was just a wonderful cover and a wonderful way to experience the story. Um, I'm really hoping that we eventually see a new printing of it from the ERB Inc. with the Joe Jusco cover. I'd love to see what he does with this story, because um, he has been just knocking it out of the ballpark every time with the new covers for the for the, the for these uh, authorized editions. Um, and I do not remember him ever covering Cave Girl before in any of his illustrations. I may be wrong about that, but I'd love to see I'd love to see Joe do one for this. So um, um, what I'm going to do is briefly summarize each chapter. And I want to say that I am often using the plot summary of erblist.com. The one for this novel was written by David Bruce Bozarth. And I am often reading or paraphrasing their summary. We do all read the book, again, before we do these podcasts. But uh, having these summaries handy so that when when we talk about the novel in depth, is just a great resource, and it helps make sure we don't miss any details. Um, so, part one, chapter one of the Cave Girl. It was called uh, Flotsam, and we here we meet Waldo Emerson Smith Jones when after a wave washes him over a deck on a steamer, and he just ends up on a beach of a jungle uh, of a jungle island. You know, Waldo's a Boston intellectual, and he is completely out out of his element here and he's just this emaciated, he's in poor health, he's uh, terrified of everything, and he has no idea how to survive on his own. He does manage to find some fruits during the day, but he's also convinced that a creature is stalking him every evening, Um, and just finally he can't take it anymore, and he runs screaming into the interior, Um, and just he's physically and mentally wiped out, and he collapses. When he wakes up the next day, he's calmer, and he uses uh, a club to knock some fruit from the tree, so I guess he's becoming very slightly capable at this point. Um, and then, But the chapter ends when he comes face to face with a, a savage, a caveman. And that was chapter one. Um, one thing I want to ask you guys about this chapter, do you feel sorry for Waldo? Um, the, the Burroughs has a lot of humor in this novel. Um, mm-hmm. it, I often think he doesn't have, get enough credit for his sense of humor that shows through in pretty much everything he wrote. But here, Waldo can be seen kind of as a comedic figure. Do you, is he someone you're laughing at or is it somebody you're feeling sorry for? Is, or is it a combination of the two? What do you guys think? I think
2: for me, part of it, it's a kind of a combination. But with his description and his background and the term he uses uh describe him from from being from a wealthy uh boston family and stuff it's like uh how the heck is this guy going to survive
0: yeah (laughs) i mean he
2: is not yeah yeah uh, that's the biggest thing is this guy really going to make it yeah (laughs) obviously got a book and he's main character opening character he's going to be around for a while but Mm -hmm. it's like oh that's that's, it sucks for him
0: yeah (laughs) um Yeah, we were talking before the show because he's a scion of a Boston family. We were making comparisons kind of to the Kennedy family who grow up kind of in their own little bubble. Um, But, um, you know, JFK, whatever your opinion of him otherwise, as a husband and a politician, when he was put in a dangerous situation on PT-109, he handled himself well, even heroically. So, but Waldo seems to have no capability at all. Um, There's, he just... Uh, if he doesn't have a book to read or a or something to a letter to write or whatever he's just completely helpless um I cannot see him being put on board a PT boat to combat and performing well at
1: all um so uh, may, may I jump in on this, this yes hmm uh, were you done tip yes I am I just, I just want to make sure I made my point here uh first of all regarding the uh, Jessica artwork for for Cape girl mm-hmm. um he has done at least one panel, and it does appear in his collection. Joe Jesko's Art of Edgar Rice Burroughs. It's okay. On the uh, the the trading cards that came out of it, F- I think it's mm-hmm. F- Uh And also, you can get them in a, like a nine inch colossal format. Uh, okay, the, I've got uh,
0: the, I've got that book, so I I just forgot that one.
1: It's on page. Uh, where about? are uh, one one twenty four? Okay, I, can read I gotta, small print correct. I'll take a look for that later. All right, very good. Now, regarding Waldo. Um, this is something I have strong feelings about, so this, uh, I wanted to make sure I got it in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, we can tell his father was not very much involved in his rearing. Mm-hmm. and his mom, but his mom definitely was. She mm-hmm. said she set she set, uh, she set very strict rules, and and this goes this begins with day one. We're talking about a baby who who eventually develops into a, a young child, and then uh, on up in uh, on up to the various stages that we're all familiar with. Um, so he doesn't have much opportunity from what I can tell. And I'm and I'm imagining some things here, but from what I can tell, he doesn't have much opportunity to speak up for himself. His mom mm-hmm. says this is the way it's gonna be, so that's the way it is. Mm-hmm. So he is surrounded by his books, and I love books, I can I can certainly appreciate that. But he does not, he is just dis- dissuaded, I believe, dissuaded from from going outside, anything that involves physical labor, or anything that involves uh getting his hands dirty or working up a sweat, mm-hmm. uh, he, is stuck, he is stuck inside with his books. Now, he, he loves doing that. It's the only world he knows. But the, the, she, what she has done is cut him off from a whole portion of, of the world and society and daily living for some people that he knows nothing about. He doesn't know really how to fend for himself other than making his way to the library, getting a stack of books and bringing them home perhaps. That might be the extent of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh and that's not his fault he can't help that and and i don't know where his dad is but his dad's apparently letting it go on and that's 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 his fault too actually it's his mom mom's fault for not being realistic about the world she wants her son to be successful it's fine most parents do but my point is a a well-rounded approach uh, learning how to to interact in the world as uh, as and you made a very good point. I think it was you made a very good point about the uh, about the uh, the stock market crash, which came mm-hmm. along a few years later. Uh There, uh, Wal- that that may have, if Waldo had a job involving you know in academia or something, that may have thrown him out of out of work. Uh, yeah, I mean, Scott, Tim, you said much better than that. Yeah, I mean, before I before the recording,
0: we mentioned yeah. um, if if he hadn't had this experience, because he's going to come back a different person at the end of the novel, uh then if if he had just been living whatever life he lived in the stock market crash hit in 29 um, and their family lost their money because of that, then he would have been just totally at sea. He wouldn't have known right. how to function in the right. real world.
1: Right. You so he that much better than was. I, I want to make sure. Make yeah. sure you get that in. I, I can,
0: I can picture his mom saying, you know, his dad saying perhaps we should teach him to swim. There's swim lessons down at the YMCA or at the, at the gentleman's club or whatever. And she would say, no, that's dangerous. We can't let our poor Waldo go in the water. He might drown. Definitely, or or the servant kids would be playing. Um, we you know, would be playing tag and you know, falling and getting dirty. And oh, you know, as a kid, he's a toddler, he might have gone, Mom, can I go and play with them? And she would, No, partially out of snobbery. Well, no, they're the servant kids, but partially because, No, you'll get your clothes dirty. I bought, I spent, you know, a huge amount of money in 1900 for whatever these, you know, clothes are, right? Uh, And you're not going to get them dirty, and that would be improper. And you work up a sweat, and that just Smith Jones's don't do that. I think that's oh. a, good,
1: a good example of the of the attitude and, mm-hmm. and the potential conversations that that child had to deal with. So mm-hmm. after a while, he just gets beat beat down figuratively. I mean, yeah, and, and and dissuaded from from even making even thinking in those terms or making yeah. suggestions.
0: So Burroughs mentions that he's six foot two, so he's you know if he and he he you know spoiler alert he becomes muscular and capable you know but so he's got the enough of a body. he's no he's not this like naturally wimpy little guy he's big and he's capable of working out and getting strong as we see so yeah. that he never did is a function of i think we can lay it at his mom's door just what from what we assume when we meet them later in their various personalities i could see the dad just saying well it's the mom's job to raise him i'm not going to get involved and the mom really keeping uh poor waldo isolated um, to protect him, to protect him from lower class people and from anything that she thinks would be undignified for a Smith Jones.
1: Protecting from the world in real life.
0: Yeah, prote- yeah, making, <laughs> leaving him completely incapable, in- in- incapable. You know, um, yeah, you know, whatever upbringing JFK got as being a Kennedy, which was a big deal. You know, he was able to function in combat. You know, his older brother was able to function in combat too, and uh, you know, got killed um, sure. uh, flying a plane yeah so uh, so it does
2: say Well, oh, go ahead
0: no go ahead scott
2: i'm just gonna say burroughs does if not this chapter the next one uh Aswaldo in a, a thing looking at, at water or whatever and then talking about he would never go through that because uh uh swimming was a nasty habit and mm. he never learned how to swim yeah. that is the dirty thing and this also uh, i want to jump on real quick too um makes for an interesting thing if he got washed over from a wave and couldn't swim how did he you know safely get to shore I, but i think this is part of the genius of edgar rice Burroughs storytelling because mm-hmm. i found the cave girl the writing to be very fast moving things are yeah. always happening yeah and yeah. what he does is he just starts out with him already on the island yeah it doesn't matter how he got there he's there mm-hmm. and just this is it we're not going to go into to uh did he swim? Did he float in on something else? That doesn't matter. Yeah. Somehow he's on that island. He's in a, in a twilight zone for his world. Mm-hmm. And what's he going to do to get through it?
0: <laughs> and if if you wanted to think about it, and I agree, you don't have to. Burroughs was brilliant in putting him on there, and not having to deal with that. But yeah. you could assume the wave brought him ashore quickly before he had a chance to drown. You know, yeah. or the current kept him up top. You know, there was no undertow. Whatever you could you could manage it. But he well, didn't deal with it because there was no need to. And I think also it's a great
2: storm. It could have been anchors close to shore, maybe. Or
0: or if he gave us a sign of Waldo, even by chance, meaning struggle and keep himself afloat until he hit the island. And it gives us the impression that Waldo might be a little bit capable where we need to think of him at this point as completely incapable. So so starting him on the island I hadn't thought about that. It's a great point. Starting him on the island is the best way to do it. Um, You don't have to worry about how he got there. And you don't have to worry about even inadvertently giving the idea that he knew what he was doing. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, this reminds me, and I've got another point I want to make, so I'll try to be brief with this one. This reminds me that when Tarzan went swimming for the first time, because the Mangani had Mm -hmm. discouraged him from following all, and the tribe had discouraged him from from getting near the water. It was something that I think they only did if they absolutely had to, and Mm -hmm. then very reluctantly. Otherwise, they stayed away from water, and one of his playmates had died just a few weeks before but he went in, went into the water to get away from a predator, a good sized lion, as I recall. Mm-hmm. And he he uh, he he lapsed into a well, to a dog paddle. Mm-hmm. And it's not impossible that um, uh, Waldo might have done the same kind of thing, unless the waves were tossing him around and keeping him uh, keeping him above above water. As you said, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, that's possible too. Because Tarzan wasn't scared at all, because Tarzan was incapable of fear, pretty much. But Waldo's well, <laughs> in a completely true. different boat here. But it's a great comparison yeah he, he you can be thrown in the water and a dog paddle can almost be an instinctive thing you know someone who doesn't know how to swim if they don't completely lose their head can right. um can stay up for at least a little bit
1: and the other point i want to make real quick just to make sure i make sure it gets said and i'm I imagine we'll come back to it and that uh, this is another example it's a theme that we see in a number of Burroughs stories and it's always exciting and interesting you wonder how's this guy going to do this um and that's it, adapting. Adapting mm-hmm. to changing situations. Mm-hmm. John Carter adapted. Tarzan adapted. Several Burroughs characters had to adapt. And right here, Waldo is about to make a big adaptation.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a great point. Um, his route will be a little different because the others aren't um, sorry and almost cowardly at first. You know, but um, his his adaptation leap is probably the biggest of any, Tarzan, of any Burroughs heroes when you think about it.
1: Good at good least
0: the others like we're already swordsmen or already capable in some point or um what have you. But um uh Waldo starts from absolute zero um mm-hmm. and goes up from there. So um you can argue he's the most admirable of Burroughs' heroes because of that.
1: He's oh. also got the longest name.
0: <laughs> he does Waldo Emerson Smith Jones. It's a perfect name, though, isn't it? It just yells at you that it he's was. from a snobbish. It, yeah, I mean just he's from a snobbish rich family. That there's no way you can have that name unless you're from a snobbish rich family. I,
1: I did not do oh. a letter count, but my gut feeling is that he is his name is longer than most, mm. if not all the Ant-Man names. Now that doesn't even <laughs> if we're going to award longest name, but by golly, he's in the running. He might be. <laughs> yeah. So you see his mom walking around, where is Waldo?
0: Where's
2: Waldo? <laughs> <laughs> Oh Think about oh that.
0: man if only burrows had described him as being in a red shirt red striped shirt when he wore it would have <laughs> been beanie. perfect in a beanie um yeah. <laughs> so. okay um are we ready for chapter two sure yeah it's the The wild people so he runs into this um uh you know essentially a caveman um you know he's just got the leather swamp throng. he's he's got the primitive stone weapons um Waldo runs towards a cliff. There's a, like, pretty soon there's a dozen of the cavemen um, uh, pursuing him, you know, and he claws his way aloft. I don't think he could have made the climb unless he was in a complete panic um, or he would have even considered climbing. But he makes it up there um, you know, know, and he inadvertently takes out one of his pursuers when he sends a boulder tumbling down on him. Um, And then, uh, uh, you know, a few moments later, he clubs one with a heavy stick and he's doing all this in a panic, but at least he's doing something, you know. And then during a lull in that battle, he meets a half naked girl. Um, this we don't She's not named yet, but this is Nadara. This is the cave girl that is, that's going to be like the other prime character. You know, they don't share a language, but uh, she mimes out a suggestion, which is to drop stones on the um uh, on the uh, uh the savages the cavemen who are trying to climb up on him, and that eventually um you know he take he gets at least one more i think and that just they call off their attack so waldo and this girl are now on top of the cliff waldo's actually won his fight um although it's more by accident than on purpose and um um you know, she's actually quite proud of him. She's, you know, a savage too. And Burroughs doesn't hide that. The last sentence in the chapter, when he drops uh, a big a piece of stone full into a, the face of a savage, she gives a little shriek of joy. That's the quote. The sentence is the young woman admitted a little shriek of joy. And Waldo Emerson Smith Jones, his face bisected by a broad grin, turned towards her. So, like any guy, if he impresses a girl, he's going to be happy. Um, so, so um, he is—he's done most of this out of a panic, more than any sort of planning. But he has climbed the cliff and fought off the bad guys. So we gotta give him credit for that, a little bit. Um, you know, and I love the—I love the way one thing I, yeah, you know, I want to point out is he Burroughs really effectively combines humor with action because there's a, still a lot of humor in this. It's very close to being a comedy in some places, but the action is still great. It's exciting. It moves fast. I I don't think Burroughs ever wrote a bad action scene uh, or or a flawed action scene. He was always perfect at it. And um, this was a great action scene. Both the chase and the the fighting off of the caveman by bombarding him with rocks was great, well-described, exciting action. But it didn't hide the humor of it as well.
2: Um, I think uh, uh, Burroughs also does a good job here, too, because he addresses that part about hopelessness mm-hmm. first off he is running up the thing on a panic mm-hmm. and he just scra- he stops and he starts thinking about it's like he can't do that then that fear that adrenaline comes into him and he starts pulling at parts of the rock to start climbing plus, mm-hmm. plus there's a semi-broken path that they've used where they put up some of these ladders these cave people have before mm-hmm. uh, that that he kind of instinctively goes and, and um, when he gets to the top there's, there's a, he has that little epiphany. It's sort of like he's going to die. And it's like, no, people, you know, I, I don't want to die. I don't want to be tortured or hurt. And, you know, you constantly hear from sociologists and, and te- teachings and stuff that man, for us and for any animal, survival is the first priority over everything. Mm-hmm. And so people, the and mind thought goes, and he recognizes that with even, which I thought was kind of humorous. Side bit, but he goes uh, where where he he he's becoming victorious in using the rocks and hitting the ones coming up. Mm. Yeah, he has the advantage. He's on top. He's not in hand to hand battle yet, uh, but he's going. Oh, what well, what would mothers think if she could see me take the guy <laughs> out like this now? You know, and <laughs> and he so he takes that part about that inner gut that that uh, thing where you either lie down you die or you give up. But most people are inclined to tell that very, very last moment, flailing away to be alive, whether they're in a car wreck or fighting people or whatsoever, panicking, <laughs> running from a snake. <laughs> the whole thing mm-hmm. is, boom, you can have more adrenaline. I mean, they, we have on record of, of people who have no right to be doing it, lifting cars off of people in an accident.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So that, that has been proven by science that what seems at first you know like oh this uh bostonian <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, wimp guy or whatever uh, uh he'd never make up that cliff but when you start thinking about it it shows that people do overcome these circumstances and are able to get to the next step of survival and that's where you find out uh, what the next challenge will be
0: yeah that's a good point um i also love um Waldo's reaction when he first sees Nadara and we don't know her name yet, but that's who it is. Um, You know, he said, he just introduces himself politely. I crave, you know, Mm -hmm. it takes his tattered cap off bows says, I crave your pardon. I have no idea there was a lady here. And then just turns red with embarrassment because she's um, you know, scantily clad and apparently isn't bothered by it. Um, You know, he tries to like, just pretend she, he doesn't see her for a few minutes thinking she'll go back into the cave and get dressed and she doesn't. And he has no well, idea. When he first caught, her,
2: caught mm. her out of the corner of the eye, he'd swing yeah. at her to or, get her, yeah. her or kill her. Mm. Now he realizes, it's like, oh, we don't do that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he really was shocked at the idea of, of maybe uh, hurting or killing a young girl, which is to yeah. his credit, of course. Um, but um, um, I just love that. You know, he's just naturally assuming that she'll be conscious of the proprieties and go get dressed. Um, but she doesn't and he doesn't know how to this is a social social situation he has no idea how to deal with it
1: so, and she is dressed
0: yeah, yeah she's <laughs> she's properly dressed as far as she's concerned so uh,
1: a, a way that they communicate here is via sign language the thing mm. Bruce does not tell us but i'm pretty sure this is what happened here is that is that one of the many books that Waldo read is popular sign languages of the world? <laughs> so he's already versed in in the common commonalities of sign language, so he's mm-hmm. going to carry on a conversation thanks to the book he read. Yeah, that might be that. That's actually I like
0: that. So, um, so um, any more comments on this chapter? Or are we on to chapter three? Um, Go ahead. So okay, so chapter three is titled "The Little Eden." um so uh they you know they hang out on top of that cliff till nighttime and then they they go down to look for you know food and drink at night um a caveman who's been sleeping nearby wakes up Um, you know so uh, uh you know he wants to run but the girl cries out and he turns and he, he breaks the caveman's arm um and they manage to elude pursuit together you know they fought, they come to a secluded valley Uh, Waldo learns to, you know, and they spend some time here. Um, Waldo learns to swim. He learns some woodcraft. He learns to tolerate um, her scantily, scantily, uh, her scanty um, dress. Um, And he learns some of the language. This is over a 10 day period. It proves he's smart, which is typical of Burroughs' heroes, that they all have an affinity for learning new languages. Um, And he learns that, you know, she's got... guys who want to marry her that she doesn't want to marry and he learns about the black panther which is like sort of the seems to be the apex predator on this island um and she intends to return to her tribe with Waldo as her protector um you know and they they actually do get a visit by by a panther but the panther just goes off without attacking them i, I think it wasn't hungry i can't remember its reason um the panther you know panther would just watch them and then turn back into the tangle of bushes behind them so
1: um. Yeah, that and might been, be an incident that that, that that inspires Nadira. Yeah, it to, does uh, I mean, a yeah. As her, uh,
0: and she's he's been kind of bragging to her too. You know, oh, I I catch them. I you know I catch panthers and beat them with my stick, <laughs> and it's no problem at all. You know, so he's bragging as well. <laughs> you know, so and I can't. <laughs> I just I understand the temptation of wanting to make yourself look good in front of a pretty girl. You know, <laughs> we all, but it's just you know and she's just eating it up she's no reason to think he's anything but a hero
1: um typical guy barely understands the language the first yeah. thing he does is learn how to brag
0: yeah i know yeah uh, Panthers, barney
2: fife barney fife stopping the bank robbery
0: it, barney fife that is exactly that is exact <laughs> thank you scott that's a great <laughs> analogy that is barney fife messing up some police work and then bragging about how he did it right so, I just
2: last week on mm. they ran or the week before, the ghost and Mister Chicken, and okay. watching Don Knotts again doing that. Well, you know, I just whoo, rock, took him yeah. out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but, but it's a good. It is a good thing though that the, their language is limited, or the, mm-hmm. at, at the moment, because um, if if, if, Wal- if Waldo does decide to be honest uh and he has the words and if he had the means to explain it he might try telling her that well i don't know the first thing about mm-hmm. about the fighting a panther or such so uh, this way is he's keeping his mouth shut mm-hmm. such that uh, she's not going to reject him and end the story right there
0: yeah and back in boston i'm sure that if he ever saw a girl socially it was someone his mom set him up with as being appropriate you know he probably if if he'd stayed in boston <laughs> if he'd stayed in boston um uh he would have been in what was basically an arranged marriage, someone appropriate for the family. Yeah. You know, ice cream uh, socials. Ice cream socials. Yeah. I this was nineteen thirteen. Um modern dating was only just you know, it was the existence of automobiles that made modern dating. So it was a different thing back then. And I'm sure he just uh-huh. would have it would have been someone who fixed up, you know, someone his family fixed him up with, and they would have gone to socials and such together, and then they would have been engaged and it all would have been arranged. And approved by their two families and all All very proper. Mm, all very proper.
1: I, I agree totally on the arranged marriage uh thought mm. there. But I would submit that she would not let she the mom would not let him near a young lady uh until he turned at least thirty years old, perhaps even older. Wouldn't surprise mm-hmm. me at all. Yeah,
0: probably, yeah, probably that. Um and she would have made sure it was exactly the right person. Oh,
1: mm-hmm. definitely. It's yeah, just, he, he had that resume he, verified yeah, and everything.
0: It essentially, essentially, poor Waldo would have had no choice in it at all. And probably
1: um, ugliest ugly sin, too. I would, <laughs> well, <laughs> beauty is it's not gonna be on her requirements list.
0: Yeah. Uh but there is a plot device here that's very similar to what's used, like in, for instance, at the earth core. The circumstances are different, but the what the, the way it works out is the same, and that Burroughs puts his hero in a in a position for enough of a length of time where there's no immediate fighting to be done, and where he can learn the language and he can learn something about the culture of what he's in. Like David Ennis gets captured by the Sagoths and it's a long trip to where they're going mm-hmm. and he meets Diane the Beautiful and he has a mm-hmm. chance to learn the language. Um, Tarzan, often when he found a lost civilization, there would be, well, you know, he would be then, uh, okay, then several weeks went by with Tarzan as a prisoner or as a guest of somebody or whatever, and Burroughs would just say, "Well, Tarzan had time to learn the language, and here's some stuff he learned about the culture." And then he would, you know, we would get background of the civilization he was dealing with in that novel. So he does it a lot. Um, John Point, yeah. John Carter got captured by the Tharks and spent time with them, learned about their culture, and learned the language. Um, so he does this a lot, and if this is just another variation of that. So he gets Nadara and Waldo in a position where they're not in immediate danger all the time. And he has time to learn the language, and then that part of the story is taken care of. They can now communicate. This,
2: this is a kind of a, a off to the side comment here, but mm-hmm. a couple of days ago, I shared a video on a, a, a street corner sideshow, uh, the mm-hmm. Facebook uh, page I have there group, and and um, it was about an orangutan in a zoo. I don't know if you guys saw it, where a mother was holding her young, her newborn, in
1: mm-hmm. her hand
2: and the orangutan came over and tapping on the glass like motioning her for bringing baby over so she brought and holds the baby down on the glass and uh, uh, orangutan leaned forward at least twice to kind of try and kiss the baby and, and <laughs> like considering like a precious newborn it's like recognized mm-hmm. this was a baby and that this was a mother in, in some way I mean it, it, when I watch it I'm automatically thinking of course of Tarzan yeah you know? but, <laughs> But that it was very interesting. They got it on video. They're watching when it's happened. Mm-hmm. It's like, is, can that be made up? But is a real is a real thing. It, it was. Pretty cool. It was
1: really very human. Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: Yeah. Um, okay. Um, well, any more comments on chapter three? Nothing from me. Okay. Well, chapters four is called "Death's Doorway." Kind of a hint that's you know dangerous stuff is going to happen again. Um... You know, so uh, poor Waldo, he's embarrassed by the girl's confidence in him, but it actually thrills him as well. Wow, this is cool, this gorgeous girl thinks I'm awesome. Um, but he's he's not happy with the thought of going back. The two suitors in the tribe that want to marry Nadara that she doesn't like at all are one is named Flatfoot and the other is named Court. Um, And they bully the other people in the tribe. They take what they want, food or whatever. They kill anybody who opposes them and Nadara's convinced that you know Waldo can just knock these guys off and it would be no problem. Um so they they leave at night they encounter Nagula the panther. Um and Waldo shrieks in terror and he raises his club and he rushes the panther and he's not doing this to protect Nadara or try and beat it. He's just in a panic. Um but the 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 panther that you know panther fades away. Um and but Waldo keeps running on Blindly until he trips and he falls exhausted. Until the girl finds him a few hours later, and she believes that Nagula escaped Waldo. Um, you know that he was going to fight him, fight the panther, and the panther just got away. And she doesn't. He doesn't argue this. He says, "Yeah, uh, you know, I did that. I'm awesome." Um, you know, but his he is you know becoming slightly capable. He learned how to swim. He learned some craft. He learns to move through the jungle a little better. This continues as they go, you know, through the jungle for several days. Um, and she's continually expressing confidence in him that he'll just beat Flatfoot and he'll beat Korth and everybody will be cool. And this is just making him more and more and more frightened. And as the chapter end, they're, uh, they're nearing uh, Nadara's village. Um, you know, and you, um, you know, he's we get you know hairy men this is from the novel hairy men squatted gorilla like before pieces on flat stone on which green hides were stretched while they scraped 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 with the sharp edges of smaller bits of stone there was no laughter and no song um you know nothing about this is going to encourage waldo that this is a pleasant place to be um so so he's at the edge of the village the girl is expecting him to kill the two men who have been bothering him uh, he thinks she, she, thinks he's brave and a hero. He's, he wants her to think this, but he's actually terrified. Um, I love the humor in this. I love that he's shaking with fear and he thinks she thinks he's shaking with rage, you know, that her whole blind confidence in him is hilarious. Um, um that everything that happens, she instantly interprets as him being, a, uh, you know, this awesome hero type.
1: Um, any comments from you guys? Well, one thing I want to point out, that scene that you just uh, read the excerpt from mm-hmm. about, about the scraping to clean up the hides and that sort of thing, uh, that is revisited later in the story. I don't want to say too much, but there's some irony there. Mm-hmm. I think. And that's all I want to say about now. Hopefully I'll remember to. That, that's, that thought.
0: Yeah, that's a good catch. It comes up later on in a different context. And this is where Waldo would have seen it earlier. I didn't think of that, and that's a good catch, thank I you. That's
1: why you. I thought that's why you wrote Okay,
0: okay. Yeah, that's <laughs> no, good I, just, I just wanted to emphasize that this village was would be a scary place from Waldo's point of view, but you're oh, right, yeah. the scraping a hide is foreshadowing something else that Waldo will accomplish later. This,
1: this whole this whole trip, beginning with that big wave, was a total change in environment for Waldo. Mm-hmm. He's, yeah. he's learning new things every day, and new mm-hmm. experiences every day. Now, on that note, let me point out, maybe he's not reached this point yet, but some through place through here, I detect. Now I'm trying to read a fictional character's mind, so mm-hmm. so bear with me on this one. But some place, I really think that her approval of him, her boasting of him, her confidence in him, is in will inspire him at some point to make an effort to actually be what she thinks he is. Mm-hmm. We we may not see it yet, but I think we'll see it later on.
0: Yeah, it will come later on. But he's his sense of responsibility towards nadara and his necessity of him being a hero is going to come is going to very much uh, uh come to come to his heart later on
1: uh, very good that's what i was trying
0: get. Mm-hmm. Okay, yes. okay um anything
2: uh, I was else i gonna say that this also gave me some food to for thought because it kind of like why would this primitive cave girl you know take such a shiny to him so instantly but and and Burl's doesn't go into this great big explanation justifying why this happens, Mm -hmm. but if you look at the subtext of what happens, first off, you find out Mm -hmm. she's trying to be paired up with suitors, an arranged marriage.
0: Yeah, (laughs) there we go, Austin.
2: (laughs) That she Mm -hmm. wants no part of. She's obviously moved quite a ways across this island, trying to escape that. She's now in this area with these other cavemen, a different tribe. Maybe they're kind of leaving her alone. She's maybe been there long enough. They think she's a wild woman or a crazed woman and leave her alone up in that little cave. She's up on the top of that Mm -hmm. uh, mountain or cliff area there. And so he comes along. Here's someone who's probably easily half a foot, if not a foot taller than what these primitive cavemen probably are. Shining, maybe even though what he's going through looking cleaner or more otherworldly, alien maybe, that she might find it astonishing like you know is he a god or something like that i think that is mentioned somewhere mm-hmm. later on but so here's someone's coming out the shrieks may not be shrieks of fear they may be considered if you're like a, a banshee or, or mm-hmm. a supernatural being or a uh, uh, witch doctor or whatever where these might be part of what would be calling on spirits or calling on power and all that so everything she's reading she might be saying in a state of mind where she's looking for a savior mm-hmm. and he becomes that and he's able to just build upon that and so edgar rice Rose doesn't go in and create some story oh and by the way here's why she liked him he lets the events that ha- happen and finding out about her background where she could be maybe in a vulnerable position for depending on this guy to go and and mm-hmm. and uh, uh just having that kind of uh attraction to him
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, also, this just occurred to me, Nadara would have had no experience with someone being a coward, because in her world, anybody who acted with the cowardly would have gotten killed right away. Mm-hmm. So she would have no reason to interpret anything Waldo did as an act of cowardness, because as far as she knows, that trait does not exist in her society, because no one could be a coward and be alive. So un- un-
1: unknown concept to her. Mm hmm. Yeah. And I think Scott brought up a very good point. Is Waldo is like nothing else that she, or no one else that she's seen there, mm-hmm. and and she's probably a little naive or maybe just struggling for hope, perhaps. Yeah, um, and um, maybe maybe he's cute. Maybe she thinks he's cute.
0: <laughs> but it's um, um yeah, it, it her just perception of Waldo. It it is hilarious, but it's also kind of bittersweet because he's not there yet. He's not quite a hero yet. Um, he's going to take another chapter to get there, but it, it's also kind of touching as well, you know, and it does have a positive effect on Waldo eventually. So mm-hmm. um, so moving on to chapter five, which is called Awakening, um, which is a great title chapter because this is uh, Waldo's um, um, really his, his awakening to a new life and who he can be. Uh, Nadara, by the way, has named him Wald, uh, Thandar, which in her language means brave one. So he's often referred to as Waldo in the book, but after, but he's also often just referred to as Thandar. Um, um, and you know, he's at the village. He doesn't want to go in. He doesn't want to just be a coward in front of Nadara. So he tells her, well, you go first and I'll come later. This is like my clever plan. And she believes him and trusts him and goes into the village. And then he just takes off. Um I just I was hearing the the Monty Python and the Holy Grail song about Sir Robin running away, if you guys know that reference. Um, <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> run away, run away. Um, he just takes off. Um, so you know, he survives for days in a in a in a cave. Um, and we, you know, and we know he's learned a little bit about woodcraft and swimming and all that. So I don't think Burroughs specifically says so yet, but I'm assuming he's starting to build some muscle mass by this point. Um, and, and he does manage to survive, which he probably couldn't have if he hadn't met Nadara and gotten a little bit of teaching from her. Mm-hmm. And he just starts to regret his uh, cowardness, and eventually it gets to him, and he realizes I got to make up for this. I got to go. So, and I'm sorry, he does talk specifically to talk about it. this is a six month uh, wait here. And, it, and Burroughs does actually point out in this chapter that he's strengthened his body and he's practiced his skills. And so he is a big, muscular, six-foot-two, capable-looking guy. There's still a lot of stuff he doesn't know, and that comes up during the course of the book. But um, but he's better off than he was. And then he's making trips to the coast every week. And um, he meets a caveman named Sag the Killer. He kills him. Um He's chased by other um, uh, cavemen, a large group of them. He manages, I think, to kill a couple of more. And he gets to the beach and then out in the water, um, he sees a ship. You know, the the last sentence was, there by a tiny rivulet, he saw a sight that filled him with thanksgiving and farther out upon the ocean, that which had been waiting, waiting and hoping for all these long, hard months, a ship. So all of a sudden, his situation has changed. Um, but this is the chapter um, where he he's transforming himself into a physically capable person, and he's starting to regret his cowardness and realizing that, that what he did to Nadara was wrong, and he needs to make up for that. Um, so, um, yeah, that's that's really the main point of the chapter, and I think we see that in that he's able to take out Sag, and even take out a couple more cavemen while he's being chased, you know, so... He's learned to handle himself quite capably at this point. Um, It's a huge, huge transformation. It is. It is huge. Yoda is nowhere in sight.
1: (laughs) There is no try, only do. Six months
2: all by himself, Mm -hmm. training by himself.
1: Yeah. I would would suggest at the beginning of this chapter, at Mm -hmm. the beginning of this chapter, he'd already walked. More miles per day since he mm-hmm. landed on that island. He probably mm-hmm. had any other point in his life, I would imagine.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think even after the, by this time, he'd been on 10, 12 days on the island. Well, uh, no, so several days. Yeah, So he'd been there a couple of weeks, let's say, or a little bit more. Mm-hmm. He was probably already starting to show some muscles uh, that he hadn't had before.
1: But he right. sleeps well at night, though.
0: Yeah, maybe, I'm sure he did. I he would have been <laughs> exhausted. Um uh, yeah, I just I remember a full pack thing we had to do. At okay, I was in the navy as a hospital corpsman, I went through combat medical school at Camp Pendleton and marching for I can't remember how many miles with full packs up a very steep hill at one point. Um, I was ready to sleep all night, but unfortunately, I had <laughs> 2 a.m. guard duty also, which, um, was guard duty my... fire
2: duty was always fun, fun.
0: yes. It's like we're, we're there's nobody going to attack us, you know, we're in the <laughs> middle of the camp, you know, it doesn't matter our duty and i actually i'm making fun but i get the military necessity of training you to do that but it wasn't fun at the time so i (laughs) i understand what it's like to be exhausted and just being able to collapse and fall asleep so um um yeah so this is this is a awakening as the chapter title starts he is he starts the starts it with a act of cowardness but six months of experience in the in the jungle and building up his muscles and becoming more capable, he's he regrets being a coward and he wants to do right now. Um, and, and-, and
2: along with this thing too, this six months, where I'm sure he's on guard and everything like that too. Mm. But he, he he's spent that you know several weeks, we know at least ten days where we he was with her, learning to swim and all that, probably learning food. So he's not having what might be called a rich diet mm-hmm. that you'd have in Boston. He's he's living off the land, probably living much more vegetables and stuff. So and and maybe some animals, but it's a different type of protein and different type of tone. His body's going to have when mm-hmm. he's working and swimming or doing whatever at the same time. It may be you know like Tarzan growing up that way. Body is becomes toned in a much different way than we're used to in our society.
1: Mm-hmm. There's no MMs on the island, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> um is, is this is this is this, I may be jumping ahead. And by the way, this uh, chapter title Awakening is is on target totally. Mm-hmm. Is this a chapter if he's seen the ship? Has he actually gone out and spoken to the people on the ship? No, that comes that comes in the next okay. chapter. This chapter well, ends hold, with him seeing the ship. I'll hold my comment then.
0: Okay. Well, the next chapter chapter six is a choice where <laughs> um he, you know, the seamen had come ashore to fill some water casts, So they, they see what's going on. They shoot at the savages and drive them off. And, um, uh, you know, uh, he's, yeah, um, yeah. In fact, he goes up to them, and the savages come out. I kind of like this. He says, "You have to shoot at them." I imagine they're not exactly domesticated. Try firing over their heads at first. Maybe you can scare them away without hurting them. Um, because he didn't want to see them slaughtered. They were the enemies, but he still got some civilization in him and in this case it's a healthy thing he doesn't want to kill people if he doesn't have to mm-hmm. um you know they did have to kill a few though before they ran off um mm-hmm. and this is a ship from boston actually that some of them speak with the accent you know and he just really you know he thinks for a moment i can go home you know and he just thinks about how much he misses his books you know and how much he'd like to see his family again I, I mean, I love that. That one of the things he thinks he'd be among his books again once more. I think we can all totally sympathize with that. You know, if I'm on a desert island, I want my library with me. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, but, you know, but then he just realizes he can't. And this is interesting. Earlier, he wanted, he was bragging to Nadara that oh, I beat Panthers to death with a stick just so he could look good in her eyes. Now he's going back not to look good in her eyes, but because it's the right thing to do. So his growth hasn't just been physical. It's been moral as well. He just realizes he did a despicably cowardly thing. He has to make amends for it. So he's not going to impress Nadera. uh, He's going to rescue her. Whether or not she's impressed by him is a secondary consideration. so he well, turns, wants
1: to be rescued is like very
0: that's true he doesn't know what the situation is after six months um so he um gets uh, what he gets a razor and a little tobacco um I kind of wonder why he didn't ask for a gun and some ammo and it probably he didn't know how to use a gun. Um, huh. but yeah uh, and I realize also that Burroughs had to have him in a situation where he could eventually kill Corth and Flatfoot in in hand-to-hand combat. And prove himself as a hero that way. That's
1: so right if he'd had a
0: gun, it we yeah, the right way for the story purpose. That's the right uh, way it had to happen. But in universe, you know, would Waldo have said, Can you leave me a rifle and a clip of ammo? You know, even if he might not have hit anything, you know, it would have been better than nothing. Um, so so you have to wonder why he didn't. Um, he may just not have thought of it. He'd become kind of skilled with his um, you know, with his club and his spear. Maybe he just recognized he he just wouldn't be any good with a rifle. And well, the one thing I would add, I had
2: him ask ask for it when they might have said, We have none to spare,
0: too. That's true, too. Yeah. But
2: um, that we don't know if that happened or
0: not. Yeah. He may have also realized he wouldn't know how to field strip it and keep it clean and it would have jammed in no time. So now that I'm talking about it, I realized, you know, a gun may not have been practical for him.
1: Well, uh, the thing I was going to add to that was that uh, the gun. Is useful as long as you have ammunition for it. Yeah. Yeah. And he so, couldn't have brought he's li- he's limited by how much ammunition he can take back. Yeah. It, or else it may not be worth having that gun. There are other mm-hmm. alternatives, but mm-hmm. spear and such, that maybe it's time to, to figure out yeah. how to handle it. Yeah.
0: Of course, this yeah, also
1: when... shows
2: that oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go
0: ahead, Scott. You first.
2: I was just gonna say this chapter and I was gonna save this thought for later on, but because it's addressed in this chapter where he's adapting and and in physical brute strength most likely these cavemen have it over him yeah but he 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 starts working where he prepares like a sword and mm-hmm. shield protection offensive yeah. weapons and protection weapons defensive mm-hmm. weapons so he's thinking in a different context than the people on the island here are mm-hmm. now that shows a growth and also gives him an advantage over how he's going to probably defend himself or fight others too.
0: Mm -hmm. And that is a good point. Something I didn't mention when I was summarizing it, he does, uh, after the ship departs, he does make himself a wooden sword and shield. So he is kind of advancing the caveman culture a bit by introducing advanced weaponry here, um, using it himself first. So he he is using his brains to give you know, and I'm reminded of Tarzan and the foreign legion where he and the bomber crew crashed in the jungle and Tarzan threw his pistol away. And he said, you guys will throw yours away first. They're going to rust in no time. And they're not going to be any good. Don't depend on them. So, um, you know, maybe Waldo realized the same thing. I'm not trained in weapons. I can't care for it properly. And it's going to get all rusty and useless in this jungle, humid environment anyway. So, Although
2: in his society and culture, he may have had some experience with fencing. Yeah. Because considered a, a, if you want to say, a gentleman sport or
0: uh, yeah, upper,
2: uh, uh,
0: no, I, I think his mom would have said, you'll poke your eye out. You're not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly he might have been
2: watching Some on. people, I mean, uh, it would be something that would be familiar to people.
0: Yeah, that's true. So, and you do wear faces. You do wear so the mask, but yeah. His, his mom would probably have just
2: kept him out of it, you're right.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but if, if you didn't let a swimming instructor take him into the two foot section of the pool to learn to swim because she was afraid to yeah. drown. And I'm imagining that was probably the case. She probably would yeah. have said, you know, she wouldn't have been offended by the idea of fencing since it was socially appropriate. But she would have said, no, something could go wrong, and poor Waldo could lose an eye or get scarred <laughs> or something. You know, we can't do that.
1: You so. get a sword <laughs> stuck in your books.
0: You get sword stuck in your books. Yes. <laughs> um, so, uh, um, you know, say so this is like, uh, you know, important character development here. He had the physical development last time in the beginning of his moral. Uh, character development and saying I've got to go back and get Nadara now he just totally achieves I'm going to call it moral maturity where he just makes the morally correct decision I can't stay he does write a letter to his family which will come into play in the next part of this and um, the chapter ends with him encountering um, a a hungry panther Um, so he's bragged about killing panthers now he's got to do one in real life Um, any last comments on this chapter before we move on?
1: I think you covered it very well,
0: okay. Well, Thandar the seeker is the next chapter, chapter seven. Um, he kills the panther, so that's pretty a pretty awesome um uh, requirement. Uh, you know, um, he's a little bit wounded by this, um, and he um, but he does survive. You know, he's got what Burroughs requires is from Burroughs describes it as from breast to knees, ghastly wounds were furrowed in the man's brown skin powerful hind feet of the beast had raked him um so and Burroughs also points out that there was a little bit of good luck in this you know he's not super panther killer yet but he did handle himself well in the fight and he did win um if he finds that the wounds are superficial um and um uh, he cures the hide of the of the uh panther so this is what you were talking about earlier um jess is he Mm -hmm. saw how this was done in the tribe so he's able to manage it. Um, so after after a time, he's healthy again. He's now wearing a panther skin, and he travels back to Nadara's village. But the 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 caves are abandoned, and um, he searches around. And after a few days, he meets like another savage. Um, he manages to avoid a battle like uh, with him, and he gets directions to where Nadara currently is. Um, so. You know, um, this guy, you know, didn't like uh, Flatfoot and Korth either. So when he finds out that, um, you know, Waldo wants to take him out, he just he just says, you know, can you lead me to him? But he's, the guy says, you know, well, you can go on your own. This is where they are. Um, so that's the end of chapter seven. Um, you know, I like the realism that it takes time for Will, Waldo to hold up with his wounds and that it does take an incredible amount of work With the primitive tools he has to properly prepare the leopard belt it's both realistic and it's a sign of waldo growing as into a capable hero anything from you guys about this chapter
1: there's a a quote here i need to see what this is referring to but some places here they're referring to something and they use the phrases vulgar gross brutal physical prowess does that ring a bell with you
0: uh was that in this chapter
1: I think so. I've it. my notes for this chapter.
0: Let me see. I'm looking through now to see if I can find it. Um, he... it mm. oh, here it goes. It was a very proud Waldo that strutted forth in the finery of his new apparel. But the pride, the pride was, um, in uh, the, um, the pride was in the prowess uh, that had won the thing for him—vulgar, gross, brutal physical prowess. The very attribute in which he had looked with supercilious contempt six months before. So is so it's representing that his attitude towards physical labor or physical effort has completely done a 180.
1: Yeah. So, and that was the thing that impressed me mm-hmm. to that very point right there. It shows us this shows us how much he has changed and grown mm-hmm. and developed and adapted uh to where for he was six months ago. It's total mm-hmm. change in attitude. But that change in attitude is enable, is allowing him to live yeah and be successful to some degree
0: mm-hmm. um, um,
2: i look upon this uh, chapter and, and burles does this in all his books you get about maybe a quarter of a way through a section or 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 whatever and i, I look at a, this as more of a bridge there's not a whole lot of story advancement not a lot happens mm-hmm. but kind <clears> of <throat> bridges from this set of occurrences over to the new set of occurrences Mm -hmm. and it gives you uh if you want to call it a section composed of chapters of special events that are going to be uh pertain just to that area so yeah uh, that's how he gives that segue into it
0: that's a good way of looking at it he's he's proves himself a moral and physical hero with the chapter of choice and in this one thandor the seeker the seeker it's kind of like a bridge which leads him into the final action where he proves himself to be an actual hero Transition. Transition. Yeah, it's a, it's a. That's another sharp point. I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um. So chapter eight is called Nadara again. Um. So Waldo goes in the directions he was pointed. uh, That was pointed out for him. He finds a trail of humans that he was able to follow. Um. And he hears a woman scream. And he sees, uh, Nadara, um, being pulled by the hair by the savage he had met in the previous chapter. Um. So they start the fight. And I I love this. It's I think it's funny, even though it's part of a great action scene. Nadara recognizes Thandar, Waldo, uh, um, wants to help him and throws a stone intending to hit the bad guy and knocks out Waldo instead, and initially thinks she's killed him. Um, I could just I could see this happening in a Buster Keaton movie. Um it's just <laughs> Just where the girl tries to, you know, this really like, you know, that sort of that pretty girl that only existed in the 1920s, that particular style of prettiness, trying to help her hero, and you know, knocking out the hero instead by accident.
1: And, and um, b- meanwhile, back in the states, the major league hmm. baseball scout who was coming, who had heard about <laughs> and was coming to watch her throw um, in, in action, hears about this and cancels his trip immediately. <laughs> <laughs> She does knock out some people with with her stones there.
0: Yeah, so she's got a good fastball, but she's not going to hit the strike zone. So, um, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but it's a great chapter. He finds Nadara again. We get another bad guy. Um, You know, it ends with a great cliffhanger with, uh, um, uh, you know, Thandar, Waldo being being knocked out. Um, And... You know, uh, you know he lost consciousness. Is the last sentence he lost, Then he lost consciousness and went down, dragging with him the caveman upon whose throat his fingers had just found their hold. So um, it's a great, it's you know, it's a great action scene. Even though I kind of think there's a lot of humor in the way it plays out, it is a great action scene. It's one another example of how well, uh, perhaps more so than in any other of his novels, uh, Burroughs melds humor with the action
1: um we're, we're in chapter eight, right? uh we are in chapter eight, yes, Nadara again. Some, someplace in there is a quote that says something like it was the jugular his teeth sought. Now if that isn't a step towards being a Tarzan, I don't know what it is.
0: that yeah, that's true. That happens during his fight with the with the guy who was trying to kidnap. yeah um time and again the gleaming teeth of the once fastidious Bostonian sank into the breast and shoulder of his antagonist, but it was the jugular his primal instinct sought. So he's just, he's gone totally caveman himself um, in trying to defend his mate, which is a common thing. Um, When at the end of Land of Time Forgot, when Bowen Tyler was fighting the caveman who had kidnapped Liz, his girlfriend, he completely forgot he was holding a knife because he was just going with fingers and teeth. That's right. Until until Liz yells out, uh, not this rudely, but she should have, You've got a knife, you idiot. Use it. She, she wasn't that rude, but <laughs> Well, time was you know, of the essence. I'm time was of the essence, reality. but seriously, Bowen, you have a knife in your hand. Um, <laughs> but it's it's the same thing here. Um, the, the people reverting to savagery when the woman they love is in danger. That's that's kind of a common thing in um we expect it with Tarzan, but it happens with the civilized yeah. men too. So um yeah, so that, that happens
2: is, in this country. You don't have to be on a caveman. Island.
0: Yeah, that's true. So, um, okay, are we ready for chapter nine? Yeah. Okay, so um, um, Nadara thinks she's killed. This is chapter nine is called The Seeker. Nadara thinks she's killed Waldo. The, she's There's an old man there that's her father uh, and they leave together uh, and um, he uh, regains consciousness um and i believe and he finds that he you know, the other the caveman he was fighting is dead um or unconscious now i've forgotten what um the caveman he was fighting was unconscious as well um but then die okay he was dying and he did die so because he had struck a rock and lost consciousness and then dies a moment later so that guy's out of the picture uh, there's plenty of bad guys in this. This there was this guy. There's Corth uh, and Flatfoot. There's going to be several more bad guys in the second pot, plot. Uh, Burroughs runs through a lot of villains in this story. It's it all works. It's not bad, but there's there's a lot of different bad guys to go through um, before you get to the end. Um, you know, it's, well, so and Waldo also thinks that Nadara beamed him on purpose and that she must hate him. Uh, he finds a place to sleep. Um, she uh, Nadara reconsiders that maybe he's not dead and went back to find him gone, and you know sets out to try and find him. Um, Nadara's father, in the meantime, has to face off against Flatfoot back at the village. Um, he's told that Korth is dead, and that was um, I think where we find out that the guy who was fighting was Korth. He was asking where's Korth earlier, not knowing he was talking to him. Um, so you know, um, and. You know Flatfoot goes out to follow Nadara and try and get her back um Waldo enters the village the next day to find out that Nadara is gone and Flatfoot's following so before he goes Nadara's dad gives Waldo a small bag to give the Nadara that uh, contain things from her dead mother and that's going to be an important plot point later on um so that is chapter nine the seeker um it's just kind of beautifully laid out in, in the chronology of it you know um waldo gets up and leaves um nadara comes back and just misses him she goes back to the village she leaves flatfoot follows waldo gets to the village and just misses them so um it it just you know he he organizes his chapter beautifully with everybody just missing finding each other uh to set up the situation of nadara being pursued by a villain um any comments from you
2: guys as he said the way he sets this chapter up there's a number of things going on here as opposed Mm -hmm. to what we were talking about the bridge earlier Mm -hmm. it's not battle action but a number of things are coming so how how are all these different paths going to once Mm -hmm. again intertwine across each other and come to a conclusion because we know we're getting close to the end of the hebrew section of the book Mm
0: -hmm. And it's a beautiful example of, of interweaving, where he goes back and forth in the timeline. You know, uh, uh, Nadara leaves, Bandar gets back and leaves, and we have a little bit of a flashback to Nadara changing her mind and going back, but she's missed Vandar. You know, so every time we switch to another person, we sometimes do a little bit of a flashback in the timeline to learn what they've been doing. But it all works out in the end, uh, something Burroughs was very good at.
1: Uh, I was I was going to throw in, and I cannot find the quote. I'm here digging, uh, so correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, I believe that um, Waldo mm-hmm. Nadara, is uh, greatly surprised that at uh, the possibility that Nadara would have rejected him, and mm-hmm. harder than he envisioned. Yeah, I don't think he even had any idea of the possibility of it until he's, he's staring at. I th- th- yeah, staring at
0: I think that's a good point. Right now, he was doing what he thought was the right thing to rescue Nadara, but I think. This was probably the point where he was thinking about, wait a minute, am I in love with her? So it it takes getting beamed in the head with a rock. Um, (laughs) Right. Well, I've been there, done (laughs) that. Yeah, I've sympathized with that. I am married. I am married to Angela after dating her for a year without knowing we were dating. And then being ordered to officially ask her out by a, a woman who's a friend of ours who used her teacher voice to tell me. So men are often obl- oblivious to this stuff. I personally am as well. I had absolutely no idea that why Angela was hanging out with me so much until um somebody who, who normally teaches fourth graders told me in her stern teacher voice, ask her out now.
1: So, so. I can tell you, I can tell you. Being oblivious is a mm. skill and a talent yeah. that will pay mm. off later on in your marriage. Mm. Yeah, because there are things that 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 maybe you're supposed to have done you didn't do. Mm-hmm. and This is the opportunity to say, "Oh, I, I don't know, honey. <laughs> I supposed to do that. <laughs> oh, are you sure you've made that clear to me? I got yes. all this other stuff over here to do. I got <laughs> friends coming over night cards. I mean, it's just a question of priorities. <laughs> Can you take care of it? <laughs> So, oblivious is oblivious is a skill. Don't, mm-hmm. don't totally.
0: Oh, yes. I, I need to tell her. Um, yeah, you know, being married to a beautiful woman who loves me is interfering with my opportunities to have game nights. So,
1: <laughs> well, don't push your luck. <laughs> <laughs> don't blame it on me. <laughs> okay are we ready
0: to go on to chapter 10 now that we've destroyed my chance of a happy continuing happy marriage uh
1: (laughs) so let's get moving (laughs) okay
0: chapter 10 is is trail's end um it's you know uh thandar waldo i keep going between the two names but actually burroughs does as well throughout it's thandar Mm -hmm. in one paragraph and waldo in another i think in Uh,
1: several of his books burroughs gives the same character more than one name he
0: does um you know, he lo- he locates the at the um, at the same time that Flatfoot does, but the Flatfoot gets the Dara first and he carries her towards some caves um, that make that summary makes the chapter oh. seem kind of uh, short, but it's actually a great chapter. It's really a, a great ch- it's really the chapter is a chase scene and it's well written and it's exciting. And it often highlights how much waldo has grown into being a hero you know he's able to spot footprints in the ground and trail them um and he doesn't think about his personal safety at all as he tries to get to nadal wow. first so um so it doesn't take long to summarize the chapter but it is a it is a action-packed
1: chapter um anything I, in this chapter I think that's a good example the, yeah excuse me i was just gonna say <laughs> i think the footprints in the sand thing it's mm-hmm. just a good example of his growth, and there's mm-hmm. some other examples throughout here. Yeah, he's he's not only gone stronger; he's learned
0: to how to operate intelligently in his jungle environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, any other comments on this chapter? Again, this,
2: like I said, it's a, it's a shorter chapter. Mm-hmm. It's really I look at this as a bridge because it's it's coming, bring up from everything that happened in a seeker. Mm-hmm. to what we're going to see in the next chapter. I'm just going to keep my mouth closed on that for now.
0: Okay. Well, this is the last chapter of part one. So this is the end of the section that was published by itself in 1913 in All Story Weekly, or All Story Magazine. I don't think it was Weekly yet at that time. Um, you know, Dadara uh, sees Waldo. She frees herself. Um, Flatfoot plans to kill her rather than, um, than, than uh, just let let her rival get his rival get her. Um, Waldo throws a spear that prevents the murder, and then he closes in and he has a fight, and he kills her. Um, um, I think he uses his sword in this case, which um, um, you know the flatfoot came towards you know without realizing how dangerous that weapon was. Um, I will say that he's uh, Waldo's had several hand-to-hand fights by now, and have several more. Burroughs gives each of these fights its own personality, so to speak. You know, no fight is just a a copy, a carbon copy of the last fight, even though it's still a hand to hand battle with primitive weapons. Each one, the tactics, the way it plays out is different and has its own individual feel to it. And I I really appreciate that aspect of him as as a writer, too. He wasn't saying, I'll just copy and paste my fight scene with Korth. This is a different fight scene with slightly different weapons and Um, it needs to be different and exciting in its own way. And he succeeds in doing that. Uh, The next chapter, he's going to have a fight with a headhunter in a pitch pitch black cabin. You know, once again, he had a hand-to-hand battle to do and he came up with a environment to give it its own personality, its own feel. He does that all through this novel and it's really quite a remarkable accomplishment. Um, He does kill Flatfoot. Um, He's he's wounded himself, but uh, Nadara helps him. Uh, they head back for the village. They're both, by this point, confused by their emotions. They don't know who feels what about whom. Um, Nadara sees a yacht, and, you know, you know that Waldo's, Oh, this is great, whereas Nadara is kind of heartbroken. She thinks Waldo's going to, um, you know, uh, uh, sail off without her. Um, so she kind of runs away. Um, Waldo chases her, and, you know, he realizes he loves Nadara. He's, he's no longer confused at this point, and so they vanish into the hills before uh, into the hills into the hills into the hill the hills before the searchers arrive. You know, um, so the the, um, the 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 go- the sailors they're led by they're led by Captain Cecil Burlingham, who's on a rescue expedition to find uh, Smithstone Jones. They've been checking islands all over the place. Um, he hasn't seen the letter that that uh, um, Waldo wrote that he left with the other crew earlier. He was just coming on a general rescue inform- uh, mission, checking all the surrounding islands. Um, he does find the pouch that, um, that was dropped that had stuff from Nadara's um, mother in it. And there's a locket in there that belonged to a, a countess who had gone missing years ago. You know, um, and he just ends the chapter by saying, you know, what mystery, uh, what tragedy, what mystery, what romance might not these sparkling gems disclosed had they but tongues. So we get a hint that Nadara is more than just a cave girl here, because her mom uh, was apparently implicitly here, we don't find out for sure now, but implicitly that her mom was a countess that ended up on this island somehow. Um, so she's got a higher pedigree than uh, than we've suspected before. Um, it is because of this that even though it was a year before Burroughs wrote the sequel, that I think he was planning on writing a sequel because he, he gives us what is a uh, good resolution to the story here with um, uh, Waldo finally realizing he loves the girl and choosing her over going back to civilization. But he leaves this plot point hanging that he can go back to revisit later. Um, so that's why you know I just pretty much think he was for sure thinking of writing a sequel already when he wrote this when he wrote this um, when he wrote the Cave Girl this first novella. Um, comments from you guys about this ending?
1: Well, the a thing, and that's a, a typical technique of Burroughs is to do a part one, part two, mm-hmm. and it, yeah, and that way. He's only expended half. and Of course, this this was never really a, a serious consideration. We only had to expend, say, half the effort they might have expended, mm-hmm. and uh, he probably sees that then the guidelines and requirements that the Argus and the other magazine editors have on storylines. Mm-hmm. So you, you get you get a good portion of the story told on its own; it stands on its own merit. And if the story is successful, if, if it's accepted, and in, in his case, it was uh, for by everything he wrote. Um, then you can come back and you can tell it, tell the second part of the story because mm-hmm. um, there's some, you know, there's some demand for it. Some mm-hmm. He did that several times
0: during the the teens early in his career. He did that with the mad King, uh, which was a two-parter, but each part hangs on its own. And he did that with the eternal lover or the eternal savage, whichever yep. chapter yep. you want. But, you know, we've covered those in podcasts before. I think I will include links to those podcasts
1: in our show notes. Um, uh, Sav- Savage Blooster is, if memory, it's, it's at least three short stories pieced together, maybe mm-hmm. four. Yeah, and uh, one of the Venus books, I'd have to look it up for sure. It's got a guy Sapphire, I think, is one of the sections, okay. is also like three or four chunks that are okay. put together. So, so it so wasn't, yeah, it wasn't an form. uncommon thing for him to do, right? Uh, yeah, it makes a lot of sense to do it that way. Well, mm-hmm. well hey, Tarzan Untamed, there's a classic. Yeah, there, there's, there's, there's. Two pieces. There are two good sized pieces in uh, Tarzan the Untamed, and plus a little bridge there where he's wandering through the desert. Desert that connects connects them. Mm-hmm. That's All true right. too. Okay. That's a favorite example, man. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm done. Okay, um, and I other would con- say,
2: I'd, yeah, I'd say Burroughs here uh, has a special uh, this ending. This chapter works as a special construct, mm-hmm. both leaving uh, uh, resolved but open for further adventures. What's the search party going to find? Anything Mm -hmm. else? Where are they going to go? It also serves to show his stick, sword, spear, whatever you want to call it, -hmm. the additional advantage he has Mm -hmm. in the so-called hand-to-hand battle on that. And it also goes into the whole thing we were talking about on The Seeker, about male and female emotions. Mm -hmm. She gets him to understand that when he disappeared for six months, she wasn't heartbroken. She sees this stuff happening. And when he, he returned, he she barely recognizes him. Mm-hmm. You know, it's changed that much. The other thing, too, is uh he finds out that getting hit in the head was an accident. Mm-hmm. So this whole thing we were talking about uh, communication or miscommunication, mm-hmm. what happens on the female side and the male side, he goes several days showing how all this webbing spins around, mm-hmm. and you build something solid out of that, or do you just let it fall apart? I oh. also think. The discovery of who her mother might be Mm -hmm. might biologically uh or genetically give her an affinity for for a a man like him a white man from another continent if her mother actually came from a a a european or some other country too Mm -hmm. so that brings in a lot of things that could could be
0: answered Mm -hmm. so um Okay, well, that is the end of part one. Uh, Part two was originally titled The Caveman. It's now just a part of the novel The Cave Girl, as it's published nowadays. But it was originally published several years later in 1917. Um, And we had had talked about doing this as two-parter, but we're making good time with this. So I believe we will do this as a one-part episode. Uh, Hello, this is Tim DeForest, and I just lied to you. After we finished recording the entire episode, we realized it was long enough to justify uh, dividing it into two parts. So this is the end of chapter of episode 32 uh, without proper goodbyes from, uh, from Scott and Jess. Um, and we will release the second half of our recording as episode 33 within a few days. Um, we will include information about again about the current trivia contest at the end of that episode. So please be sure to submit an answer and put yourself in for winning a copy of the book Fires of Thank you.